Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Wow. Hello and welcome to the Abroad in Japan podcast, probably the best way of learning about life in Japan without actually being in Japan. New episodes every Sunday and Wednesday. I'm your host, Chris Broad, and we're joined, as always, by England's top Japan enthusiast, Mr. Pete Donaldson. Pete, how are you doing on this fine day? <sighs> oh, Chris, as you well know, I've just run up the stairs to do the show after uh, we, we tried to start the show, uh, and I was really excited to see if you were going to get the intro right. Turns out you did. Uh, <laughs> I did. And then a the man came to the door from, uh, what's it, where's he from? He's from, uh, I can still see him, um, Brandon Hire Station. Uh, a little right. plug for Brandon Hire Station there. I, um, I hired a rotating petrol-powered uh, metal brush thing. <laughs> To what? clean the weeds out of the nooks and crannies on my driveway. So wow. I am downright amazed, Chris, what a company for a, 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 a decent outlet will rent me. I could rent a pneumatic drill if I wanted. I could rent any number of very dangerous tools. And, uh, yeah, so uh, that, I, that's what I did at the weekend. <laughs> I must admit, brushed, I'm... Uh, brushed me, me flags. Terrible. Terrified at the uh, prospect of you with a pneumatic drill. You holding a samurai sword is one thing, but a pneumatic drill, that's just chaos unleashed, isn't it? Oh, yeah, that was last week, wasn't it? Was it during the show the uh, samurai sword arrived? Did you start unboxing it? it? Yeah, I think you, uh, you unboxed yeah. it, didn't you? How did you get on? Was it fun? <laughs> oh, it's a lovely little bit of, bit of uh, merchandise. I don't know if they sent you a picture, but it's, uh, yeah, it's a nice, little, nice little samurai sword. Oh, I'll I'm still waiting on. on it. I'll stand in the yeah, garden well, like uh, some kind of film star. <laughs> I, uh, well, I feel like I uh, I deserve a samurai sword because the Born mm. Japan channel, right? Can't believe it. We're going to hit 2 million subscribers in the next few days. Hey. Something terrible happens, which probably will oh, now unless, happen. But, unless uh, you get cancelled. Yeah. <laughs> unless I tell happen. everyone what you're really like. <gasps> Exposed. <laughs> I, uh, I think you get like a little placard with a... Uh, kind of play button once you hit 100,000 mm. subscribers and then you get another one when you get a million and I don't know where the million one went in fact I don't even think I got it like I applied for it and then it just didn't arrive um, and the 100,000 right. one is in a shed somewhere in the UK but I feel 2 million is a key number and uh, they should take it up a notch and get me a sword <laughs> with the Abroad Japan logo uh, and brand name ingrained into the into the <laughs> into the blade itself which i can wield 
Did, uh, yeah. did they? So did they sort of? Um, is it the one that's got like it's like a lozenge sort of shape, like a metallic lozenge yeah. that's silver or gold and stuff like that? Because I remember the guy who cuts things up. He mm. uh, decided to um, when he got so many subscriptions, he, he cut a lot of things up. <laughs> like he cut, he cut the actual award itself up. Oh God, that's bad. He had that to. Is. He had no other option. It's quite sad, really. It's got. <laughs> it's got to do what his brand's all about, isn't it? Mm. He's up for yeah. cutting stuff, but uh, yeah, I, I I don't know where mine's gone. I, I really should take better care of it. People wear it with such pride. People have it on the wall mm. and all this, but I, you know, YouTube being successful on YouTube isn't about winning awards or anything. It's about you know making your videos. I think so. That's it's about my an thoughts excuse on. to eat family chicky. Exactly. That's right, Pete. <laughs> it certainly is. I've uh, I've just got back from British Hills, a British theme park actually, with Riotero, oh, yeah. where I stuffed myself with fish and chips and uh, a full English breakfast that was not that bad. They still didn't nail that, but the fish and chips were good. I don't know if I told you, but uh, uh, we, I think we talked about it on the podcast a few months ago how I tried to film in British Hills and uh, it didn't work out for whatever reason. The uh, the folks at British Hills didn't want some random British guy turning up and filming it with a camera. Somehow Riotero got in for his bloody channel Riotero's Japan through a friend. Um, so I went as a humble cameraman instead of actually making <laughs> something good. Um, oh, no. So will we see it on your channel at all? It will be on the incredible channel Riotero's Japan out sometime <laughs> in the next few weeks. He's already had one oh, no. lackluster video out the last uh, in the last week where he reacts to uh, an Abroad Japan video. It was mm. awful. Did you see it? Did you see this atrocity? Uh, I did. I, I was washing it up, and I did see it. Yeah, he. Uh, it up. Yeah, some of the. I will say some of the jokes sound like they've been translated into five languages and then translated back again. <laughs> and I'm sure he'd be the first to admit it. <laughs> it's just, he's, yeah, his, his schema <laughs> certainly interesting, isn't it? Um, he, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. But I just uh, like I, the fact the whole point of the thing was him watching your video, and then he just gets bored halfway through and starts watching something else. <laughs> typical Riotta, eh? typical Riotta. Mm. But we did. Uh, I think we did a good job of British Hills, and I think that'll be a fun video. Um, yeah. It's just so utterly surreal because it's in the uh, the mountains of Fukushima, in this very remote place. Because they wanted it to feel like the Scottish Highlands um, and be like this kind of remote right. Highlands Scottish retreat. Uh, they've got a castle that looks remarkably like Leeds Castle uh, in Kent, and they've just got this like little village. And uh, to to their credit, it's entirely staffed by British people uh, and a few other folks from like Canada and America and other English speaking countries. But there were so many British people; I've never met so many British people in one room in Japan. It was quite surreal. Um, and they already knew. Is that their who main we job, or is it, uh, yeah, is, yeah. Is it their main job, or is it? Ah, oh, right, okay, actually. Yeah, they like they do classes, they do calligraphy. Uh, some of them run the pub. That's the best job, admittedly. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was it was really quite impressive. I'd love to go back and make a, a good video. Not that, not that I'm saying Riotero's Japan isn't good, but uh, yeah, I'd like to go back again actually and uh, give it another is go. This, is this how I get my visa? Is this how I get a visit? Uh, I get a job in uh, in in it's England Hills, where it's called British Hills. What would you? What role would you go for there if you uh, if you got a job at British? I'd be I'd be the local copper looking out for near do wells <laughs> and problem people. I would like Dick Van Dyke, like Dick Van Dyke. What's going on here? Then I'd say, yeah, exactly. I'd just walk <laughs> around um, tasing people, <laughs> missing them. Uh, you could do some samurai sword lessons, couldn't you? You could do a yeah. sword fighting class. A real British Bobby's samurai lesson. Watch out, everyone. <laughs> I'm going to be swinging this right knife around like proper naughty. <laughs> that would be 
unspeakably dreadful. Mm. Uh, but yeah, it's really cool. Uh, I also had another video go up as well um, about eating bear meat with the old mm. uh, the old Almori bears. I was quite happy actually. There was no backlash because. I expected that people, you know, with certain exotic meats, people do get a little bit angry. I remember a few years ago, I did the video where we ate horse meat and uh, a lot of people hit the roof and I got a lot of hate mail. Uh, but then I guess people have a horse, people have horses as pets, don't they? And uh, they mm. ride them around and they have that strong bond. So yeah, I can understand Fewer maybe. people have bears for pets and if they are, they're problematic, yes. <laughs> problematic circus owners. <laughs> I've only seen a few videos in Russia where people have a, a bear as a pet. Mm. It seems pretty rare. So luckily, oh, I was watching no a video backlash. this morning. No, mm. well, look, I mean, I mean, you, you sort of dealt with it on the uh, on, on the video itself quite well. The meat itself looked very um, very fatty. I, I, I do. Yeah. It, it did look quite nice. You said it was quite chewy, but it did look really, really lovely. Yeah, it was a bit like exceptionally chewy meat. Um, it was all right. I don't know if I'd want it again. I'd much rather no. have the braised uh kind of sashimi deer the raw meat deer that was really yeah. good and uh yeah the boar was good but uh yeah it's, it's just it was really cool it's, it was called a hunter omakase um which it was kind of like omakase means like a chef selection right so it was a selection mm. of exotic meats that uh huntsmen in the local area go out and get and it was in it was in um west almori uh, with a lot of forests and things where there are traditionally hunters, so I guess that was right. kind of nice. Like they, the the bears that uh, they do eat, they don't. Uh, they're, they're bears that have been harassing the town, going up and causing mayhem, and they have to unfortunately put them down. Some of them, and uh, so they eat them rather than waste them. So I guess that makes mm. sense. It's good that they're hunters, but they're doing it for actual reasons other than just killing animals for fun. If that, if that makes sense, you know. Yeah. Speaking of uh, my terrible uh, Cockney accent, I mean, I would love Danny <laughs> Dyer's naughtiest bears. Danny, Danny Dyer's Dyer. naughtiest bears. I'm here in Armory to see some proper <laughs> canisters. How would you? <laughs> we gotta how would get you... some and chomp on their bones. <laughs> how would you describe Danny Dyer to people that aren't from the UK? How would you? Um, yeah, it? it's it's kind of difficult. He's like a kind of like a fake hard man, isn't he? Really, uh, fake I'm trying to think who man. like. Yeah, a bit like um, proper London who Cockney. Who got in America? Yeah, proper London Cockney, proper sort of. Uh, who's the who's the guy who does? Is Buddy Velastro the cake boss? Uh, he is like a tough New Yorker, isn't he, or New Jersey man? Um, I've never seen that show in my life, but I used to announce it on uh, Dmax Discovery Channel, <laughs> and so yeah, maybe it's that, like a tough, like a like a tough talking, no nonsense guy who uh, every now and again goes to Eastern Europe to um, film documentaries about gangs. Yeah. I saw one episode where he got punched in the face. Like uh, one of the gang guys uh, was like, let me hit you in the face. And Danny Dyer was like, all right, go on, you do it. You go on, mate, hit me in the face. And he hits him in the face. And he like nearly gets knocked out and he starts crying. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> it, felt, it felt like justice. Uh, we've got a story of the week uh, from <laughs> Riley from Canada, a place called Canmore. I've never heard of Canmore. Whereabouts is Canmore, Pete? Share a, uh, share sounds a, a bit Scottish. Canmore? Mm, it does, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, Canmore. Sounds a bit Scottish, um, doesn't it? Yeah. But Riley received a gift, and the gift came covered in some rather bizarre Japanese English. It begins, hey, fellas. So I've become something like pen pals with my Japanese friend's mother. We FaceTime every week, and she practices her broken English, and I practice my broken Japanese. She knows I love Japan, so she sent me a bunch of gifts for Christmas. All the gifts were awesome and made me extremely happy to get a bit of Japan this year, as obviously we can't go 
uh, and get it ourselves. As I was putting the gifts back into the bag it came in, I noticed on the bag some pretty bloody funny Japanese English. I explained why this was so funny to my Japanese friend, but she didn't understand at all. Anyway, here's what it said. Uh, The bag says Obatash on it, which is, I think, the name of the bag brand. And underneath Obatash, it says, All clothes belongs to mine. Be fabulous. Swing it all the way. (laughs) And that, (laughs) what? Swing it all the way. What is that all about? Um, Thank you, Riley, for that rather bizarre English. All clothes belong to mine. Be fabulous. Swing it all the way. It feels like a concoction of three rather bizarre, unrelated sentences on the side of a bag. Why was that appropriate, Pete? What are they getting at? I mean, it, it's three very different um, sentiments, I'd say. All clothes mm. belong to mine. That's very like, you know, all base, all your base belong to us kind of thing. Um, be fabulous. Look, I can, I, I, I can sort of certainly appreciate that sentiment. Um, swing it all the way. Swing now, the if way. you're walking up and down the high street, walking through Harajuku, something you do not want to be swinging your Orbitash canvas bag into someone's uh, noggin, quite frankly. So it's it's, it's an interesting bit of uh, Japanese English that I think we can all get behind. I think the idea of all clothes belong to mine is that is that no, I, I, I don't know what they're getting at. To be honest, I don't. Shut and it's thing. difficult. It's yeah. It's it's difficult trying to explain these uh, these kind of weird sentences to Japanese friends. Like recently, I've been helping Natsuki. Um, with uh, his products for his business. And he just comes up with some of the most ridiculous names that make no sense. Like he wanted to get a spray uh, for, like he sells these products in his shop, right? His own products. Mm. And uh, he often comes to me with brand names in English because it has that element of prestige, right? Having it in English. Mm. Um, But the words just don't make sense. For example, one of the spray, one of the sprays he was developing, you put on your face and it gets rid of wrinkles. And he wanted to call it bounce spray bounce spray uh and i tried to explain why that just sounds mental like some sort of trampoline cleaning fluid uh but he didn't get it he was just like oh you know it took me 20 minutes to convince him that bounce spray was a bad idea um what do you reckon Pete? bounce spray <laughs> did you get it uh, yeah um, look i'm for look it's not the stupidest um thing you know oil of ule oil of ole just sounds ridiculous but uh, how is how is uh natsuki allowed to you know, create bathtub beauty products. <laughs> why is that? I like, I trust him with a pair of scissors. Fine, there's a technique to that, but I don't know why he's allowed. I don't know why he's allowed to uh, to you know just put his put like create his own products. I mean, these should be you know managed by the government, surely. Uh, to, you know, you should be rubbing things on your face that Natsuki's put together. Lordy. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah, I mean yeah. I, I I would like to make a video just rubbing Natsuki's various creams and sprays onto your face <laughs> and see what happens. I think they're all right. I think he gets them from like a proper qualified organization. I don't think he's just like knocking. Oh, he up. rebrands them. Yeah, it's it's one of those things where you outsource it and you choose the formula and then you brand it. It's not just Natsuki in his bloody bathtub with a load of. Vodka and sodium hydroxide and all this stuff. Jury still out, mate. Jury still out. <laughs> Time will tell. Crack out the bounce spray. Uh, get a free bounce spray for every listener. Every one of you guys should get some bounce spray. We'll make it happen. Uh, it is the week. This week, uh, eight things Japanese people realised were pointless about work culture during 2020. Um, one of Japan's biggest en- internet portal websites, Big Globe asked Japanese workers, many of whom have been transitioned to telecommuting this year because of COVID, 
what they don't miss about their old work days. They asked, during 2020, what did you come to feel was a pointless waste of time and energy about your old work style? Um, and the responses were collected from a thousand people aged 20 to 69. Um, and it's quite interesting because people in Japan tend not to badmouth their workplace. Uh, when, you, when you're in the workplace, they won't badmouth it unless they're a little bit drunk. But uh, for some reason, surveys quite good at getting Japanese folks to actually reveal what they're thinking, their deepest, darkest thoughts. But we have a list now of these eight things uh, that Japanese workers tend to hate or find pointless in their environment. And, and number eight is chit-chatting with co-workers. 7.4% of the thousand people that were questioned say chit-chatting with co-workers is something <laughs> they despise and they're glad they don't have to do anything. <laughs> what do you reckon, Pete? Do you enjoy chit-chatting? My whole life is chit-chatting, isn't it, with co-workers. Uh, you are literally my co-worker. It's very upsetting. Yeah, 7.4%. That's, I mean, it's been almost a year now, and you're in a situation where they don't get to chat to their co-workers. I miss it. I would miss it. I mean, yeah, I, I actually, when I had some crappy job, I had a really bad office job many years ago, mm. and the work was awful. It was just looking at Excel spreadsheets, and I hate it. But... Uh, the people I work with are all really great, really fun, down to earth. And it was those pockets mm. during the work, like chatting with coworkers, that I really enjoyed. I guess it's because yeah. in the Japanese work environment, you can't be yourself, right? Unless you've had a drink at work party. Um, you have mm. to be more reserved. You can't be that opinionated unless you get on really well with your colleagues and their friends. But it's, you know, in a work environment, you have to kind of put on a like a facade a lot of the time. Um, so I could get that. I get there's the pressure and uh, <laughs> obligations of working in the kind of office. Uh, working our way down the list. And as we get to number one, uh, number one is the thing that uh, most employees in Japan uh, despise and uh, don't miss. Number seven, though, is visiting clients' offices. That's 13%. And I guess that makes sense because uh, you do have a lot of meetings. A lot of my friends working in Japanese companies have so many meetings and have to mm. always travel to clients' offices. And it could have just been, it could just be done on Zoom in a fraction of the mm. time and a fraction of the effort and expenses. So that kind of makes sense and uh i mean have you found that pete doing the podcast instead of having to go to the office um, and, uh, you know yeah i mean I t again i i don't come off well on zoom chats i don't come off well on remote recording to be quite frank it, even though this has literally been the show for three years so it <laughs> yeah it is it is difficult because it's, it's it, i do find zoom quite stilted to do find you know recording or, or having a chat like you know meetings and stuff mm -hmm. over the internet quite difficult I think phone is almost a little bit more natural, but I, I just, I don't know. I, I, I don't think I come across well, um, especially when I'm more, I'm in one of my more animated, uh, like sort of, uh, um, states of play, so to speak. So yeah, I, I've not enjoyed, um, Zoom chats. They, they seem to sort of go on for a long time needlessly. There's the, mm. you turn up and there's the tail sniffing of like, how are you? What are you getting up to? What's going on? And it's like, just get to the goddamn conversation. I'm busy. You're busy. Let's just get down to it. But obviously then, then there's a the traveling as well, which is also a bit of a pain in the ass. If you've got one yeah. meeting at nine o'clock in the morning and one meeting at five o'clock in the morning, especially if you live out of town, you sort of kick in your heels for the whole day, really. I think the problem with all this, the problem with all this uh, kind of video conferencing now is my family have discovered that they can do it. And now every day at four times, uh, my mum or dad or gran or someone will ring me up and be like, what are you doing? I'm uh, sitting on the sofa looking at a tree. And I'm like, I'm literally filming a podcast or a video or I'm doing something. And it's just like, don't overuse this newfound power. Don't bombard yeah. me. Um, They've got their head but, around it, haven't they? 
It's, it's, it's a terrible thing. Number six, uh, business trips. Fourteen percent said they don't like business trips. They miss. They don't miss them. Um, number five, my office, their their own office space. Fourteen uh, percent. Uh, number four, paper documents. Twenty percent of all workers uh, said they despise paper documents. They don't miss them. That's understandable, mm. given that Japan has still failed to digitize in many ways. They are still a paper based society. Number three, hanko stamps, the personal seals which I also despise. 27% of workers don't miss them at all. And uh, as we featured them a few months ago, as we mentioned, they've been uh, phased out. They're slowly being phased out to the detriment of personal seal manufacturers, the, the craftsmen that make them. I suppose that's the only downside. I do feel a bit bad for all these little co- this kind of cottage industry, these uh, these craftsmen who carve the Hanko stamp seals. Um but I'm glad they're gone. Uh, number two, work-related drinking parties. Now, this is an interesting one. 31% mm. of workers say they don't miss the work-related drinking parties. And I'm not surprised by that because you are obligated to go out and drink a lot uh, with your workers, sometimes every week, um, and they're not that fun. You have to sort of – I guess there's a lot of um, trying to win favour with your boss – when you go to these work parties and you have to go right. and keep drinking for three or four places. Like typically if you go out drinking in Japan, work related or work unrelated, you will have to sort of go to like three or four different places. You typically go to a restaurant. Then you go to a follow-up izakaya, like a kind of a pub. Then after that, you'll go to like a bar. Then after that, you might go to a hostess bar or snack bar. Uh, and then after that, you might do karaoke. And then after that, you're dead. And then after that, you've got to go to work in the morning one hour later. Um, so I'm yeah. not surprised by that. I'm not surprised. What do you reckon, Pete? Yeah, it's 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 it's, it's difficult, isn't it? Because I think we uh, enforced fun is always bloody tedious. But enforced if they sort of say literally thirty thirty percent of the people um, polled just hate that in particular, surely they must be thinking, well, maybe we should just get rid of this and just improve everyone's lives, or is it just a bit of a power trip from the bosses to insist on them? Mm. What they should do is <laughs> have the drinking parties, and uh, you get the morning off to recover because you know you can't function, you can't work. That gets my, yeah, that's a bloody good idea. Yeah. Like, you know, the amount of times I had to go out and drink and do these events and then there'd be work the next day or something. It was horrible. And it's foolish. Yeah. My colleagues never got hung over, even though they'd be trashed just three or four hours beforehand. They'd just magically regenerate uh, in the in the office while I'll be <laughs> a wreck. And they loved it because all the, like, the masculine lads, the guys would be like, well, Chris, yeah, drink this sake all night long because they knew that I could drink a lot. And so they plied me with loads of sake. And then the next day, as I sat at my desk dead, they would love it, walking (laughs) past me in the staff room. Damn them all. Damn them all. Uh, Number one, though, and probably not a surprise, the one thing that workers don't miss uh, is the time spent commuting. 35% of all people interviewed said uh, they don't miss the commute. And I'm not surprised because most people in Japan do live in large cities and there is a lot of commuting. And I remember years ago uh, when I was dating a Japanese girl, she lived in Tokyo and I went to visit her mm. and stayed overnight. And then in the morning she had to go to work at like 7.30 in the morning or something. And I thought, oh, I'll go with you then and I can switch trains at Shibuya. And I got up to the station and we're in a queue for like 25 minutes. Then we finally got on the train uh, and we're just wedged in. There was like a guy with a stick, like those photos you see of train station staff with a stick pushing people on. They're not fake. They're real. And I experienced that. Mm. And it was so horrible. Um, you're squeezed in so tight on these trains that you can't move your arms, right? 
you just can't move at all. It's absolutely right. terrifying. Um, and she did that every morning. So I'm not surprised that uh, time spent commuting is number one. Um, and I think you're probably lucky, Pete, because I don't think you've ever experienced the like crazy morning trains in Tokyo. I don't think you've, you've experienced no. that, have you? On that no, never. I think the only time um, where I could have uh, been privy to it, I, th- I think I just got a taxi into town because I just thought, I don't think Cheating. the Japanese metro really needs me and my big old suitcase right now. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's not a, uh, a suitcase-friendly city, it's Tokyo. People, no. I always feel bad. I hate it. Like when you travel with a suitcase on like a train, people just stare mm. at you and uh, kind of <laughs> they do that noise where they go... <sighs> I don't know what that's called. What is that noise called? Tutting, isn't it? Tutting. Having a big old tut. Tutting. Tutting. So much tutting. I hate it. Um, but yeah, that makes sense. I, I suppose using a taxi feels like a cheat code uh, when you're getting somewhere like yeah, Tokyo. it's not cheap. <laughs> it's not a cheap code and all that. It's not cheap at all. But <laughs> if you've come all that way and you're shattered, folks, get yourself a taxi and uh, it'll be a lot more fun. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. This week on Stakhanov. Throughout January, Clash of the Titles are letting you pick the films being battled out on air. Already binged your way through Netflix during lockdown? Listen as Alex, Vicky and Chris rediscover and tear apart old and new favourites alike week in, week out. I like that here, though, that Michael Bay starts as he means to go on. I made a list of sort of Bayisms from this sequence. Uh, low angles, lens flare, dry ice, washed out colours, military hardware, men marching, orchestral score, guitar riffs. <laughs> <laughs> or if you're looking for some much needed escapism... 
Wanna catch up with the Abroad in Japan podcast? Chris was recently joined by Joey the Anime Man to discuss mastering conversational Japanese. That's a really interesting topic, that channeling, which is where you kind of go, oh, oh, so not that. In Japanese, if you don't do the mm, mm, every now and then, then people just think you're not listening or you're ignoring them. All that and a whole lot more at Sakano's. Uh, now we turn our attention to the fax machine. What do we got this week in the fax machine, Mr. Donaldson? We've got a message uh, from Jeff. Hello, Jeff. Hi, Chris and Pete. I'm a big fan of the show and the YouTube channel. And apart from my homemade fermented maple syrup, hello, it's <laughs> keeping me cozy and sane. I know you're a big fan of the cyberpunk genre, so much so that you've been gifted a supersized copy of the 2077 from CD Projekt Red. And I've just heard theories that an NPC Natsuki playable character says, go fuck yourself in the game. <laughs> he would look. It would fit in. I think, is it Japan Town in there? Uh, I had a stroll around uh, a few weeks ago, um, and there's obviously a lot of uh, Japanese uh, characters in there. So, look, I, I think it'd be fine. Um, cyberpunk and Asian-flavoured elements are all rather synonymous for the genre and heavily influenced by Ridley Scott's Blade Runner. What are your thoughts on certain concerns regarding the possible dark history of this relationship? Some have pointed to the idea of Orientalism, the Asian as the other. During the 80s, when Japanese imports and products had direct influences on North American industries, and some uh, groups reacted to these changes personally and oftentimes aggressively. Art can be a reaction to one's personal socio-political climate, and it's pointed that there was an underlying, underlying uh, use of elements in this dystopia, consciously or subconsciously, that tie to oranges of Western fear uh, of growing Asian influence on the economy and ultimately culture. Considering the current hype around 2077 and your love of cyberpunk, I'd be really fascinated to see a broader perspective on the issue. Not so wide-eyed man from Canada. Jeff, thank you, Jeff, for your email. Big, Whoa. big things. What do you think, Pete, first? <laughs> well, I imagine... <laughs> Go on, let's hear your thoughts first. I'm sure yeah, I mean, it all, of course, it all sort of started in the 80s, the uh, the kind of cyberpunk... Um, I, th- I don't think... So, I think book, bookish cyberpunk was never... Um, there, there wasn't that much Orientalism uh, in, in mm. it. And, and, but when it made the leap to the screen, um, that was very much... Um, that was very much part of it. But, I mean... There's a certain level of kind of love. I mean, the the, the use of like hiragana and katakana has never really mm. sort of gone away. You know, the LED, the things that you know, your Hong Kongs and your and your um, uh, Tokyos and stuff like that. So, yeah, yeah the, I I completely agree. Yes, there's a heck of a lot of that. But by the time it gets to you know 2020, I think someone depicting um, uh, and and Cyberpunk gets a lot of this wrong. Um, some very very weird characters in that game, but uh, in in the main, I think I think anybody creating uh, you know Cyberpunk and using um, almost kind of like you know d- depictions of, of 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 China, Hong Kong, and and um, you know Taiwan and and Japan. Um, I think it's done with a little more love than uh, than probably uh, was back in the nineteen eighties, where everything from Japan was um, was was regarded with a bit of uh, bit of suspicion. Oh, yeah, the cars mm. were crap, the motorbikes were crap, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, but of course, they weren't. They were very good. <laughs> well, no, you've got that wrong. I'm going to call you out on that. The, like well, in the nineteen eighties, Japan was booming. Right, the economy was doing extremely well, and there was a lot of anxiety in North America that uh, Japan mm. was going to become the new superpower. Uh, albeit a soft But we have that with China now, though, don't we? We do. But uh, back then, Japanese imports uh, were really kind of taking over in the US. And uh, because the cars were reliable, like Honda and Toyota cars, which are indestructible, were taking over the American market. There was obviously electronics as well, uh, Mm -hmm. pushing out the American kind of electronic companies. So there was a lot of fear and anxiety, I think, around Japanese companies sort of coming into the US. And so... If you look at Cyberpunk 2077, the main 
antagonists are Arasaka Corporation, right? Run by this uh, Japanese industrialist, Saburo Arasaka. Uh, and uh, I think, yeah, the way he's portray- the way Arasaka is portrayed in Cyberpunk 2077 of these antagonists is kind of comical. Um, but it, it kind of fits in with the 1980s view that uh, I think the Western world had of Japan in some respects. Like they were, We were kind of frightened of Japan, I think, um, hmm. of their dominance and whatnot, right? Uh, which is why, but I, what I don't understand, yeah, I kind of understand some respects, like why people are wary of the cyberpunk genre now and all these tropes. But why do I love cyberpunk? I think it's interesting. Like a lot, I'm, I've always been interested in futurism, and what I like about the cyberpunk genre is it doesn't paint everything as this rosy, utopian, wonderful place. It feels more cynical and more grounded in reality, um, which I've always found exciting, and I. Uh, like a movie like Blade Runner, I just love the neo-noir aesthetic. Um, admittedly, I don't think too deeply on it, though. I don't think about uh, how maybe it is a bit wrong to portray Asia uh, or Asian people in that way. Um, I've always been attra- attracted to the art style, um, and that is the thing that keeps me going back to it. Um, but, are you, I mean, are you a big fan of the cyberpunk genre? Are you kind of – how do you feel about it? I know you're not as no, crazed already, about it as no, I'm I am. i sort of – no, I mean I've not really sort of explored it, but you know the films like films like Blade Runner were the reason why um, you know you want to visit Japan in, in the first place. The neon lights, the 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 flashy visuals, and 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 the kind of like the crumbling city below. I think it's it's mm. uh, it's 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 wonderful. You know, I, I, one of my favorite parts of the of the world is um, is like Kowloon in, in in Hong Kong, where yeah, you know, yeah. The, the, the these massive old school um, kind of you know. I can't imagine what the uh, carbon footprint is of Kowloon, but Kowloon. these massive signs that are just constantly just ad- advertising, um, advertising products that have probably um, shuffled off, shuffled off the supply chain a very, very long time ago. But it, it's just these like the 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 the, the, the sort of um, phosphorus kind of like uh, luminescence from 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 the streets mm. above you. It's it's just some, it's incredibly uh, evocative. Yes, the, the, I think um, twenty twenty has given us. Uh, I, I think this 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 decade has given us a chance to sort of sit back and sort of go right. What are we saying with this piece of work? What is this saying to Asian Americans or Asian British people or just Asian people in general? Um, is this uh, destructive or is this constructive? You'd probably say that Cyberpunk 2077, you'd probably say that Blade Runner, the way that it depicts um, this neo-noir Tokyo kind of um, like sort of uh, Japanese um, uh, city, uh, it probably is uh, a little bit harmful. Um Mm. So yeah, you know, I, th- I think I, I think it's a it's a real positive step to reanalyze uh, the art that we enjoyed when when we were younger. I was watching fucking Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom um, <laughs> at the weekend. Oh, how India is portrayed! God, it's my God! Like, I'm surprised they're even playing that. I love Indiana Jones, and he's my favorite kind of superhero guy when I was a kid. But it, like, I'm surprised they were allowed to play that because. People are fucking eating monkey brains and, you know, fucking date as a Chinese, you know, uh, joke, like joke character. And fucking hell. It's like Mickey Rooney doing like the Japanese uh, character half the way through. It was just awful. <laughs> I think my favorite film is uh, a great example of that is Independence Day, right? The, the 1996 movie Independence Day, uh, when they like destroy the first ship and all that. And uh, 
there's like people cheering all around the world and it like cuts to Egypt and Africa and there's like tribesmen with spears jumping up and down in celebration. Mm. Um, is that how the world is like, that is how the world was portrayed. It just, it was yeah. rather And, and not that long ago, I, you know, I was watching the office, uh, us, um, last night and there was a, the episode, um, a Benyana Christmas where they got a Benyana and, uh, they meet some, um, Asian women and, uh, Michael Scott at one point, um, is like drunk or something and he can't tell them apart so he he gets something wrong and and he 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 puts a, a mark on 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 one of their arms because he can't tell them apart and it's just like f- like there's a oh, lot shit. wrong with the office there's a lot wrong with the office right the way through its run but it it's weird how shocking how quickly that's become incredibly shocking. And, you know, you'll go through all the kids, all the, all the kids films we enjoyed when we were kids, you know, from short circuit to what, like the, the block out of short circuit wasn't even Asian. Like he wasn't even Indian. Um, he was just a, a white guy that he'd, he'd, he'd browned up. Um, all of these films that we loved and we cherished when we were kids, I'm surprised they're still playing them because they were so very wrong. And, and that's good. That's positive. It's good that we should look back even 10 years ago, even 20 years ago. All right. Is that good? Is that right? Should this be happening? I still think the cyberpunk genre has a clear, you know, I still think there's space for the cyberpunk genre. Um, maybe some of the yeah. tropes aren't necessary. This sort of, I, I, again, I love the way that the, the villains, the antagonists of cyberpunk are 2077 are portrayed as Arasaka, this, this organization, but it's entirely fictional. Uh, and it feels quite comical. This villain, Saburo Arasaka, he's this like elderly guy who like was in world war two and he built, he, saw how the Japanese were defeated and he devoured revenge and he built up this company and started to take over the world. And it's all a bit ridiculous um, because the, off the top the, of my head, I can't think of many evil Japanese corporations. I find corporations in Japan are actually a lot better uh, at uh, thinking about their place in the world clear. and uh, doing good, doing good. Right. Um, so I find that quite comical, but yeah, it's fictional. I think as long as they don't portray like Asian Americans negatively. And I think that was something I read about uh, that uh, a few like, uh, Asian American community were offended by some of the things they saw in Cyberpunk 2077. I wouldn't mm. really and know, it, unfortunately. I still haven't played the damn game. Still waiting on a PlayStation <laughs> 5. Well, well look, the, 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 the big messaging of uh, the big messaging on, on, on Cyberpunk is uh, one of um, ethics and sh- could, if we can do stuff, can should we do stuff? Uh, and also just a, um, uh, the idea of like society where um the the, the smallest and the poorest um will always get um you know beaten down by by those in power so mm. there is messaging you could take it's it's not it's not a, i don't think anyone's sort of saying that it's a particularly important uh, social social um examination but um it, it certainly politically goes certainly goes down uh, on, on my side of things that uh, that uh, poor people um are in a cycle that they can't break out of and it's mm. nothing to do with them it's not their fault and that's something there's, there's some of the themes that cyberpunk 27 well, 2077 and, uh, explores another key theme with the cyberpunk genre is technology and the way technology impacts mm. us and uh, i still think that's incredibly important and the power that corporations mm. wield that's that's undoubtedly yeah. still incredibly important so i think Indeed. those things are key but for me personally the reason i love cyberpunk the reason i love blade runner more specifically which is the the film that led me into the cyberpunk genre was i just love the rich world that uh, that blade runner created um it's so well done they did such an amazing job everyone that worked on that film from ridley scott to sid mead the uh, the industrial designer who created all the backdrops and made such a rich detailed world it felt like peering into an alternate reality um 
and I found that very compelling. And that is why I love Blade Runner, really. That kind of win- looking through a window into what they thought the future was going to be like in the kind of early 1980s, a future that turned out to be relatively different, to be honest. Uh, Japan didn't become a superpower. Uh, of course, soon after, there was a bubble, the bubble burst. And uh, since then, Japan's power in the world has uh, been on the wane, particularly the electronics companies that uh, dominated the 80s have all been kind of pushed aside one by one in place, taken over by kind of their, their place in the world, pushed aside by Samsung and Apple um, and various other Chinese companies. So very different. And the world, of course, the fir- first Blade Runner was set in November 2019. And uh, it was quite weird being November 2019 and <laughs> thinking, oh, where's the flying cars then? Where are they, Pete? Where are they? <laughs> oh, <laughs> I would mind Decker's hair. His shitty hair he's got. I'd quite like that haircut. I'd love that as well. Paul says, uh, Paul from Oregon says, my story, Chris Ooh. and Pete, is not Japan related, but it is podcast related. Let me tell you uh, how Chris managed to embarrass me without even being in the same country. I was getting gas just as I pulled up to a pump. Um, and I rolled down both my windows because I didn't know what side of the car the attendant will approach me on. Yeah, I get that. I've had that a few times. I just finished uh, the podcast, Five Ways to Make a Great First Impression on a Japanese Woman uh, podcast episode that came out last week. Um, And as I was playing it back really loudly, uh, Chris said the line, fuck, fuck, fuckity fuck. Uh, I was getting my cards, my credit card out my wallet, so I was slow to move on the mute button. The soccer mum in the van full of kids beside me gave me the incredible look of disapproval. Uh, <laughs> you would have thought I pulled up blasting old school NWA with how much she stared daggers at me until she pulled away. <laughs> Thank you for the embarrassment, Chris, of Anne uh, Pauls. And uh, now someone else is going to have that same situation, given I've just repeated the line in this episode as well. I don't remember saying that <laughs> last week. Do you know why I said that? I uh, I, I may have I may have put the uh, a compendium of you trying to do the intro uh, at the end of the show. <laughs> Did you? Oh, you cheeky. Yes. Yeah. For the people. For the people. For the people. (laughs) By the people. Uh, We've got one from Peter. Over to Mm. you. All right. Peter says, uh, hello, Chris and Pete. My name is Peter. Hi, Peter. I'm Peter. Uh, And I'm from Maryland in the US. First of all, I want to thank you both for all of the content you put out because it's given me and my partner hours and hours of entertainment. I, in particular, have been making my way through the backlog of podcasts during this pandemic and during my daily commutes to work. It has kept me entertained and awake because I'm prone to sleepiness no matter how much sleep I get. I hear you. Maybe it's a Peter thing. Uh, I apologize if you've already answered something similar since I'm not completely done with the backlist of podcasts, but I've just wondered what's the scariest paranormal encounter you both ever had in japan or anywhere for that matter since pete you're not in japan currently but if you've had one in japan great i love the episode where chris explored the haunted japanese inn with risotto and i recently watched it which is what brought this question up thank you for everything you do p.s try the kalbi nori shio crisps they are delicious now cal I'll, I'll, I'll say for now kalbi do some terrible crisps um <laughs> Oh yeah, the ones that are like little, little kind of um, chips that they put in. Uh, it, it's like eating little bits of rock. It's horrible. Really, too tough. They don't taste of anything. Gross. I remember. Well, I remember last year I had the Calbi. Uh, what was it salted egg flavor crisps? Oh yeah, and they were just so horrible. So you know when you flavor crisps really badly, it ruins the crisps entirely. It was just like mm. that. It was all just corrupted, disgusting, and uh, Gross. yeah. I'm not a Calbi fan. Uh, and Nori Shio, salted seaweed, is just, uh, uh, can't be doing with it. As for much. the most haunted, most scariest paranormal encounter, 
you've ever had in Japan. Um, the video that Peter brought up there, the Haunted Inn, which Ryotaro and I visited almost a week ago, almost a year ago this week um, in um, North Iwate Prefecture. There's a, yeah, it was an inn with the little ghost boy, right? There was a boy that's been there for like 500 years and uh, we didn't really see anything scary. It had a bit of a haunted, creepy vibe going on. They, like, they leave all the lights on really low at night so you can sort of go around and look for the ghost. Um, but there was a bird that fell off the shelf randomly, like a little toy bird oh, fell no. off the shelf. And that was a little bit weird. I wouldn't say I was scared, though. Uh, I was more scared of Riotero snoring at night uh, than the boy. Uh, don't ever share a room with Riotero. That's it's not fun. It's, it's horrible. Um, I, we, I used to work at a castle, and a lot of my colleagues felt it was haunted and tell me stories of how they saw like a child running around under tables mm. and they heard like a dog barking. Um, I, oh, I did, didn't see anything, but... I must admit, even though I'm not a paranormal, I don't believe in the paranormal, walking around a castle at night is still pretty daunting, like a giant old yeah. castle from 600 years ago. Um, yeah, nothing so that. Nothing for me. What about you, Pete? Anything paranormal? No, not, not particularly paranormal. I remember being spooked out of my uh, face by um, when we went to the Rabbit Island. Uh, or something in Rabbit Island? What it's called. Remember Rabbit Island where there's just rabbits everywhere? Uh, yeah, and you, Okanoshima. You biscuits and you, Okanoshima. Um, there's like a look, because obviously the, the rabbits were released at the end of the World War because they were doing, doing tests on them to, for, for weaponry. Um, and um, obviously there's just a lot of like abandoned kind of um rooms and bases and underground little little um bomb shelters and stuff and uh yeah there's there's walking through some of those that have just been left to the mm. uh to the to, to the elements it was really really spooky did not care for that one bit yeah that island's pretty trippy i remember just arriving on rabbit island and i made a video if you missed it guys um i made it i think six seven years ago six years ago maybe mm. uh it's near hiroshima it's about an hour and a half outside of hiroshima and you get a ferry and you arrive on the island, and there's like two signs. The first sign, pointing left, is like, rabbits, go and see the rabbits. And the sign on the right just says, chemical weapons facility. And it's just like, oh, <laughs> what uh, happened here then? But that's quite sinister, <laughs> isn't it? The old chemical, the rabbits that are involved in the tests. Yeah. So, sounds like something out of a cyberpunk film. <laughs> chemical, <laughs> Japanese chemical rabbits. Um, Awful. Yeah, it's pretty trippy. And uh, the empty, abandoned buildings are pretty... Weird as well. Would you recommend mm. visiting it though to our listeners, Pete? Oh yeah, definitely. Well worth. If you can get there, it's, it's a bit tricky to get to because it's not mm. quite on the train line. But uh, yeah, well worth a peek. Brilliant stuff. That. Yeah, get yourself to Rabbit Island, folks. Um, it's arguably better than Cat Island in Miyagi Prefecture because Cat Island has a lot of cats, but it doesn't have a haunted, abandoned chemical weapons testing facility keep the comments questions stories coming in to brought in japan podcast at gmail.com we'll be back on sunday to do it all over again but for now guys enjoy the rest of your week and we'll see you right back then on sunday to do it all over again have a good one was a Stakhanov production and part of the Acast Creative Network. Hold up. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.